0: Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, and I'm joined today by Kyle McKelvey. Today I have a podcast where we're recapping all the action from week six of college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. Kyle's official, we are two paternity leave dads right now. Out, out of uh, out of work. Well, not exactly.
1: <laughs> Off work. How
0: about that? <laughs> Off work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. My wife went back to work today. It was it, it was a momentous shift being the primary caregiver now of our little kiddo. But uh we, we sent him sent her off back to work right. Cassie and I went to a college baseball game over the weekend. So little Caleb went to his first baseball game of his life, starting him nice. young. Yeah, was that it was fun.
1: Boston yeah. College, NC State. Yeah.
0: yeah, we went to the middle game of that series, which was probably the worst. Uh oh. Boston College <laughs> got run ruled by NC State, but um you know he has a whole life ahead of him. He'll see better games. Yeah,
1: man. He, he doesn't have to be a Boston College fan if he doesn't want to.
0: No, yeah. That's what I was saying. We made an NC State fan out of him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, we haven't gone to a game yet. I, I really want to. I had the chance this weekend with UTSA coming into into Rice. That would have been really fun. We just got it. You know, time kind of slipped away from us. It happens. I have a I have a hypothetical for you. If you if you uh, want to hear it, I'll humor you. All right, this one uh, comes courtesy of the Andy Staples Show. It's a, a college football podcast. They're uh, they're all over Twitter, but this one it goes: Would you accept ten million dollars if you one day a week at random had to wake up covered in peanut butter from head to toe? Oh,
0: <laughs> one day a week. Covered so in
1: one $10 million dollar payment. Yeah, and so one day a week at random. It, it might also be. A little bit harder if it was 52 days at, at random out of the year like you could be unlucky and get like 30 days in a row that would be peanut suck.
0: buttered repeatedly
1: yeah but i think i think one day out of the week at random
0: my first thought on this one is uh With $10 million, could I figure out a way, like, could I pay someone to figure out a way to, like, remove, like, peanut butter removal? Like, is there some, like, secret body lotion that I could put on every night so that the peanut butter (laughs) would just, like, slide off me?
1: Yeah, or you could, like, uh, invest in something, like, some um, invention that can basically, you, like, jump in, like, a power power cleaner thing where you like you go into a human car wash and just like oh uh, yeah with 10 million
0: dollars <laughs> the first million dollars is going to be spent on like the rain shower that's just, like yes yeah, mm-hmm. surround surround sound but for your body <laughs> with water, <laughs> with water. <laughs> yeah, yeah i think it would i do think that. i might i think i might take it
1: i like peanut butter <laughs> yeah it's just really hard to get off it's it's a it's a good one yeah oh
0: yeah, i probably have to pay like i don't know if i want to do the laundry for all that like I, we that's might true. have we might have to you know, get our comforter dry cleaned
1: a little more frequently than we would have. You just get like a a splittable bed so that like just that side can be burned every every day or something or let's head over to
0: our top story for the day. And our top story is the East Pirates. East Carolina hit its all-time high in our top fifty at number six and we'll get into a little bit more details a little bit about the rest of the top 50 but i want to spend a little bit of time talking about the pirates first because pirates have been a mid-major program mid-major uh put in air quotes and said mm-hmm. with like a grimace because we don't love that term on the podcast but they have been a team that has consistently been to regionals hosted regionals hosted a super last year just one win away from Omaha a year ago, and they are on pace again to do a lot of good stuff this year. So ranks number six in this week's poll. They just swept a series over the weekend against George Mason. They did drop a midweek game, but because a few teams ahead of them lost some series, East Carolina slides up. And I want to talk about how they've gotten here because I don't think this is what I would have expected. So let's do a quick stats rundown. I want to talk a little bit about Their pitching staff, because their offense is pretty solid on the year. Their weighted on base average is sitting at a cool 402, which is good for 60 in the country, and their top 100 in home runs, nothing really super stands out about their offensive stats, but their pitching stats, I think, is where they really shine. Their earned run average is nine in the country. Their whip is eleven. Uh, their their FIP, the fielding independent pitching, which is more predictive, a future area is twelfth in the country, and this is led by their starting pitching. Starters: Trey Savage, Carter Spivey, Josh Groves combine for uh, all three of them have pitched now almost hundred innings combined on the year. Uh Josh Groves and Trey Savage. ERA is under two. Carter Spivey ERA of three point seven five. This pitching staff is really getting the job done for the Pirates.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it's it's interesting. I was I was like trying to find the uh, the the games this like so far. There's in their uh, season, and they're most of their losses are in the midweek. So this starting rotation is is the uh, the glue that's holding them together. They've swept three consecutive weekend series and lost well, not three consecutive midweeks, but. They've lost two out of their last three midweeks. So it's um it seems like they have the pitching depth for the weekend and the midweek is maybe where they're lacking a little bit, maybe that, that that's the uh the reason that they might not make it to Omaha this year for seemingly like the thousandth time in a row. Like they're like always so close. But yeah, three year, starting I mean, pitchers though, that's that de- I'd say that's
0: definitely Three three is district. I feel like a lot of times the teams that don't do well are the teams that have two, like exactly two good starting pitchers, right. where it's like how are you going to get that third win in a regional if you you know, go to the winner's bracket? Uh, to yeah. your point, they've only lost one game on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday all year, and that was a one-run loss to Long Beach State. So weekend Warriors for sure. Fielding independent pitching I think tells a pretty similar story for these three guys. So Trey is savage. They're, they're Friday night ace his FIP is three point nine one. Carter Spivey uh, FIP just a, a tick over four at four hundred two. Josh Groves, I think there's a little bit, maybe more to unpack here because his FIP is five, uh, basically five and a half. His currently his biggest weakness so far in the year has been his propensity to give up walks. His strikeout to walk ratio is just under two to one. He's given up twenty walks on the year, but to uh, his credit and in his defense over the weekend, he had an eight inning complete game start against uh, George Mason, in which he had five strikeouts, just one walk, gave up just five hits, no earned runs. So a really solid start of the weekend. Maybe he's finding his command as the season goes along. But this pitching staff, we've talked a lot about Tennessee's pitching staff. We've a lot talked about LSU's pitching staff. I think it's time to start talking about how East Carolina has one of the top performing pitching staffs in the country right now.
1: Yeah. I want to see if they can keep it up, but I mean, yeah, this is a, this is a pretty solid group.
0: Yet to start American play, but they will get that going next week when they travel to Houston. I'll be really interested to see how they handle conference play with the way they've been playing on weekends. They might, their ridiculous conference records that they've had in recent years it feels like every year you're like there's no way that east carolina can win 25 games in the american or whatever and it's like oh yep they did it again they, they only dropped <laughs> two games all year or whatever so we'll see what they do this year in the american let's head over to a full rundown now of our top 50 there was a lot of movement but not not at the top never at the top Old Faithful, LSU is still number one. I saw some discussion uh, about how we should start considering Wake Forest at number one. We we haven't. They're number two right now. We have Florida at number three, the Vandy boys four, Arkansas five, like we mentioned, East Carolina sitting at six, Stanford seven, Virginia, South Carolina, Louisville wrap up the top ten. Uh, elsewhere, there's been some movement into the top 25. So we have Florida Gulf Coast entering at 23, Old Dominion 24, Maryland 25. We had a few teams enter into the top 50. So 2 Pack 12 teams, Washington and USC. Dallas Baptist also joins the fun along with Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. how what stands out to you about what we have going on in our top 50?
1: Yeah, so this week the, the argument for me wasn't for number one. LSU was far and away number one. There's there's a little bit of a gap like right after that. And then next the argument for me was at two and three. like Florida just swept the road series at um at Ole Miss, which came into the year with like a lot of expectation. They they're 0-6 in the SEC to start the year, which isn't great. But Wake just swept Miami, who's probably even better than Ole Miss right now. I mean, especially like the way they're trending. Um so yeah, like it wake basically wake will have to do something to fall off for Florida to get that spot. It feels like at this point, unless yeah. Florida goes and like sweeps Tennessee on the road or something. I don't know.
0: I typically don't ascribe to the idea of like rewarding and punishing teams when it comes to rankings. You know, I try to think like, okay, like what's the to my best of uh, my abilities to objectively rank these teams, not like punish mm-hmm. them for winning or losing whatever. But it does feel sure. weird to like quote punish. Wake Forest for sweeping a series so I think it is going to take a little bit of a a chink in the armor like something's going to have to give for me to feel like Wake Forest has to drop off like for example dropping a series or maybe a, they win a series against some of their lower competition and they don't look very convincing doing it meanwhile Florida sweeps maybe that's a scenario where I could see us leapfrogging Florida over Wake Forest even then I think I'd be a little bit reluctant uh, it's probably not until Wake loses a series uh, but we will see who knows what future yeah, John like, and Kyle will think about that
1: when you have a pitching staff that is number one in the country in ERA WHIP, FIP and, K per, and strikeouts per nine uh, I think that's uh that's pretty solid I feel like that's going to be hard to overcome and, and they win they, a lot of ball games yeah they, they showed this weekend only letting up two runs against a really solid Miami offense. Like that was a really good Miami offense that they just shut down.
0: Yeah, I mentioned earlier about LSU, Tennessee, and ECU's pitching staff. Silly me, I forgot to to include Wake in that conversation. Obviously, they belong in that conversation. Yep. I also I think want to take a look a little bit uh, deeper into the top fifty. It's really exciting to see what USC's first year head coach has been able to pull off Uh, already. USC uh, is off to a seven and two start under Andy Stankiewicz's tenure. Uh, He's won all three series in conference in the PAC 12. That includes a series win over Stanford. Uh, Pretty, pretty fast start uh, under Stankiewicz's tenure at USC.
1: Yeah, and the the tough test for them was, was the series win over Stanford and, and it's easier for the next few weeks to get travel to Utah and host San Diego State. Um and then they have a tough few weeks at, at Oregon State and UCLA. Um but their tough test was kind of behind them right now for for the time being.
0: Let's turn to our pick'em from last weekend. I know on the last podcast I said I was feeling a ten and a week. We came pretty close. We didn't quite do it. Eight and two week combined. Pretty good week for the good guys. Uh, let's do a quick rundown of each of our five series. I'll take a stab at it first. Florida won a series at Ole Miss. I correctly picked that one. I don't think I could have picked that Florida would sweep and that Ole Miss would look pretty, pretty fragile. I think in, in in that series loss, um, Wyatt Langford made his return for Florida. I think that was one of the top stories. Uh, he uh, was much quicker to recover from that lower body bruise than I would have thought possible. Uh, but Florida earns the sweep, really announces themselves as a, a top-tier contender. I also picked Tennessee correctly over Texas a and M. I I thought A&M might get a game in that series. I think they had a chance in that middle game. Tennessee got the sweep, though, and bounced back to now move to 3-3 and in SEC play. Also correct in terms of South Carolina over Georgia Southern. Got that one right. Also, Coastal Carolina over Texas State. Yeah, call me a Sunbelt Whisperer. I got my two Sunbelt series correct. But I don't know what's the opposite of a whisper is. A shouter. Call me a Big Ten shouter because sure, totally missed on Illinois and Nebraska. Nebraska took that series uh, at home. I think there's a little interesting storyline brewing in the Big Ten. There's several teams that have stayed competitive. So I'm not sure if that means that someone pretty good's going to get left out. Or maybe we'll see a couple extra bids from the Big Ten this year. Maybe up from the three we saw a year ago could could be a four bid, five bid league. We will see. But Nebraska definitely put itself on the right track with that series win. Kyle, how would things go for you?
1: Yeah, four and one for me as well. Turn it around. Getting back to that coin flip that I that I know and love. Yeah, fourteen and think... fourteen
0: on the year. Not too, not too shabby. It's looking respectable again.
1: Yeah, back. I think I really just need to do a coin flip, but um, yeah. So this week I got, I picked Maryland over UCF. Right, that one was a pretty, a pretty good series. I think. Um, yeah, Maryland bounced back from losing game one, and I thought yeah. I was doomed in that one. Um, that was the one that I thought that I was for sure going to lose out on, but. Yeah, I mean Maryland. Credit to Maryland's bats; they came came to play in games uh, two and three. Uh, and then the other series, let's see, uh, Miami. I had I picked Wake Forest over this in that series over over uh, Miami, and like we already touched on, Wake Forest swept that series and looked dominant doing so. It was, I mean, maybe not dominant offensively, but they only allowed two runs in the weekend, which just great. I think only one of those was a home run, so manufactured some other way, but. Yeah. uh, Credit to Wake Forest pitching staff there. And the other one for me was another one for me was LSU over Arkansas. Same kind of thing. I thought I was kind of doomed in game one. Like, of course, the one weekend that I pick a uh, no doubter in LSU over Arkansas was um, one that was a little bit of a doubt. They lost game one in a a fun pitcher's duel is Paul Skeens and Hunter Holland, and going like, and all then Hagan Smith
0: coming out of the pen a little bit interesting yeah. there, sending a bunch of lefties against LSU. That's what it's the, the, like, what was it soft throwing lefties or LSU's only weakness? And I wouldn't call yeah. Higgins Smith soft throwing lefty, but that's been historically what's gotten LSU, right? And now we have two yeah. left, like, I don't know, can this team hit lefties? We'll see. Yeah, I
1: guess we'll have to see if they can turn it around there, but they run ruled them in, in the first game of Saturday, and then kind of blew them out in game in the other game on Saturday. So that's just um that's just how LSU is this year. The other series so the one I got wrong was um I picked Tech over Texas on the road and that one was pretty close. It was two walk offs <laughs> in that game. So I felt like like yeah. if one or two like bounces of the balls. As far one... as sweeps go, that's one of the closest sweeps you can have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, I felt I felt a little bit um Screwed on that one, but you know that's what happens, especially like uh, especially at home. I maybe should have called that you know for the home team, like we always say. But I want to
0: say off the air when you and I were discussing what we thought each other would do, we both accurately picked which series the other person would get wrong. <laughs> I, I told you you're going to get that series wrong, and you told me I was going to get the Illinois Nebraska series wrong. So maybe combined we're better than we are alone. That's what we're
1: learning. Yeah, maybe together we're a ten and zero because I told you that, <laughs> that one was wrong yeah each week we should just uh i'll pick one side you pick the other
0: and then no matter what we're 10 and 0 right someone would have gotten it right yeah don't know if that's how it works no it's not let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with over under (music) next up on the podcast over under we have three topics here with lines set for each of them we have to decide whether or not the over or under is more likely. And you're starting us off with a really nice one. Have you heard of this guy? His, his name's Jack Caglione. I, I, I Have you heard of him? I, I mean, he's yeah. kind of this small name player from it's like Florida. I, have you heard mm-hmm. of Florida?
1: Yeah. Also known as um, the Jackhammer.
0: The Jackhammer. Pretty great. Uh, pretty great nickname brewing right there. Uh, I don't know if the Jackhammer will, will do it justice. I think he needs a, a more powerful even more powerful power tool to give him a nickname because he is on pace for a lot of home runs like almost record-breaking number of home runs he yeah, uh you
1: know.
0: currently on pace for 36 home runs 17 home runs through the first 26 games of the year we're getting grill ball numbers
1: yeah the uh the record in one season is 48 from pete and cavalia but that was in the in the yeah, Guerrilla Ball days, the full metal bats back then. Um, but he's on pace for 36, we think. He's got 17 through 26 games, and that's that's not including postseason, which they're basically guaranteed at this point to do. Um, let's see, I think since in the 2000s, the record is 33, um, and that was Nate Gold by Gonzaga in 2002. So he, he could break a like this millennia record. That's kind of cool. over under you set on this one was
0: 35 and a half which is basically right for his pace so over where you're taking the over
1: yeah i mean he's got the postseason to to even hit more big time home runs i feel like he just keeps coming up in the big time spots when when florida needs a solid bat and he's he's that guy i think it's really interesting to see uh,
0: like these these season long ones are always so hard because it depends on how good his team is and so you know if he was playing for. A small school that was going to lose in a regional you might say one thing, but knowing that Florida is really looking as, you know, shooing for Omaha is probably a little bit of an overstatement, but it's really hard to find teams that could beat them. Like we saw with Tennessee last year, anything can happen. But if you give them three regional games, two super regional games, two, three, four called World Series games, and that's another extra 10 plus games there, perhaps, I really like the over on this one even though 35 and a half is an absurd line like i i want to see 40 and i think we've talked (laughs) just a little bit about juiced balls i think that i think this is what the ncaa wants i think the ncaa wants a home run champion race i want he want they want brock wilkin they want CAGs. they want these guys hitting 30 plus home runs because whenever you you watch college ball after watching mlb and you see a college player who's hit 15 home runs or 20 home runs and that's like one of the best in the country as an mlb fan you're like what is that all it doesn't feel like a lot and i think the end wants it like 30 40 like they want you to be able to look compare that to the mlb and be like whoa big numbers i like big numbers
1: <laughs> big numbers good
0: Big number is good. So we're both taking the big one on this one, the over. (laughs) The Texas Longhorns are on something of a winning streak. How much longer will that winning streak go? You set the line to one and a half games on that winning streak. Kyle, tell us a little bit maybe about this winning streak first.
1: Yeah, so this winning streak is 14 games long. Um, It included a home series sweep of Texas Tech. Which is the only respectable team on the? Okay, no, I wouldn't say that. It's the only <laughs> top fifty team I feel like on their schedule uh, in the last fifteen games. It started uh, a couple weeks ago, March seventh against Sam Houston, and then it was Mercer, then a three game sweep of Manhattan, two game midweek sweep of North Dakota State, and then three games against New Orleans. Followed up last week with a midweek against Incarnate Word, which a 17-11 game against Incarnate Word of the midweek. I know it's just midweek, but it's a lot of runs for midweek. Um, that is
0: a lot of runs. Last time this Texas Longhorn team lost was when they lost that series at Cal State Fullerton. Right.
1: So this coming week, they have to go tomorrow to uh, I'm recording on Monday, the 27th. They're going to college station to play a kind of a slumping A&M team. And then uh, they have to travel this coming weekend to Stillwater to Oklahoma State, who is coming off of a, Rhodes, a home series sweep over Baylor. Who's been pretty bad this year. Um, so I put it at one and a half. I, it was just basically like, can they win tomorrow and then maybe Friday? Or I don't know. I don't, they might not even win tomorrow. Who knows? What do you What do you think about that that line? And then, what's your answer?
0: Yeah, uh, I always winning on the road is hard. Winning on the road several times in a row is harder. So mm-hmm. that, this basically to take the over, I'd have to say that they beat a And M on the road and they would beat Oklahoma State game one of that series i think i'm going to take the under i think that traveling to texas a&m i really i'm actually really curious about this game neither of these offenses have been particularly good so far this year i'm really curious who ends up getting thrown in the midweek in terms of pitching how deep in bullpens these teams are willing to go in order to beat uh in state rival I could see this one getting kind of out of hand in a game like that. You never know who's going to win. Friday night, I like Oklahoma State's pitching staff a, a little bit more. Uh, in addition to playing in the friendly confines in Stillwater, I would say I feel more confident about Texas' ability to beat A&M. I don't feel particularly
1: confident about Texas' ability to beat Oklahoma State. So I'm going under on this one. I think I would go under two. Um A&M is actually on a four game winning streak against Texas that goes back to um uh, 2019 they A&M won that game in Austin and in the previous I guess yeah the previous year there was a one game in uh the postseason that was at, at Austin um A&M lost that game so that was the last time that a that Texas actually beat A&M um
0: man it's going to be good for yeah, baseball tomorrow,
1: when these two teams are playing each other consistently again oh, I know it's so fun it's gonna be so fun when it's a like a weekend series i hope they don't do that like uh, one home one away one neutral on a weekend that would that wouldn't be fun
0: no these games need to be played in dish Fock and then olsen uh, these these yeah. games are meant for those stadiums
1: yeah i don't know if the listeners know how i feel but i hate neutral sites i just told john <laughs> my feelings last night about this <laughs> yeah you confided in me <laughs> It's uh, it's also interesting to notice that this 14-game win streak has all been at home, so this is their first time going on the road in basically the whole month. So that's that's enough for me to take the under, I think. That's, I don't know. Yep. I'm, I feel pretty solid about that.
0: Pish-bosh, done. Under, under. Paul Skeens, another guy you might have heard of. 195 strikeouts on the year is what you set the line at. My first reaction to that was, 195 is a lot of strikeouts. Like, it sure is. <laughs> that, there's no way we could take the over on this one. But tell me a little bit more about you crunched some of the numbers here to, to help set the listeners' point of view on this one.
1: Yeah. So I, I found how many strikeouts he's getting per start roughly, and it's about 12. It's just under 12, is um, how many he's getting per start. And so Absurd. That's just, well, yeah, that's, that's absurd. Just, that's <laughs> so high. Like the
0: college pitchers shouldn't do that.
1: Yeah. And so he's getting like, I feel like six, on average, six or seven innings per start. And so that's kind of where I, I got that from. And so he's already started six times and I'm counting 10 more starts. He's got eight more in SEC play. And I put the floor at like two more in the postseason. So he probably would pitch once, maybe twice in the SEC tournament. Like considering they, they get like don't get bounced or whatever, but and then once in the regular in in like the the regional round, probably once in the super regional round. Like there's there's it's kind of there's a lot of variance in there, so that's why I put like ten more starts. And so he's on pace for 189 starts or uh, 189 strikeouts on the year. That'd be insane. Um. So yeah, what you're saying so,
0: is ten more starts, approximately. But maybe could be 13 more starts if he ends up pitching twice in the Carl's World Series or something Yeah, kind of weird
1: happens. Right. Yeah. And so the record for the NCAA in a season, number of strikeouts in a season is 234 by Derek Tetsuno of Hawaii in 1979. So it's quite a while ago. That's a lot of strikeouts, too. So I'm taking the under on 234. I (laughs) I don't think think he's
0: setting any NCAA (laughs) records, but you set the line quite a bit lower than that at 195. Which direction are you feeling on this one? That's just a lot of strikeouts.
1: I I think I'd go over just because I think they're going to get more starts than two in the postseason. And if I mean I don't know if he'll keep up this pace, maybe he'll get cold, maybe he'll just get a bunch of ground outs and stuff. But yeah, I think I think I'll go over.
0: So over means that you think he's either going to have some additional starts than what you initially calculated, or he's going to pick up his pace, which Mm -hmm. seems, I I don't hate that. I'm going to go under on this one because I'm imagining a world where maybe LSU checks out of the SEC tournament and maybe they don't pitch him at all in that. So he doesn't get that start. Uh, And maybe they even start kind of trimming his innings down as the year goes on. Like, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, they only like, if they're just clearly by far the number one team maybe he pitches five or six innings in games so that he's fresher for the postseason. so maybe they don't go you know try to extend him um and just generally speaking maybe they stop extending starters as if you're blowing out teams so i'll take the under on this one but uh i'm rooting for the over
1: yeah that would be fun and no one's gonna go back and check on us so we can say whatever we want (laughs) I'm going to put a little pin right here on this podcast to,
0: <laughs> to come back and listen to this one. Hey Kyle, what's that sound? Mail time. Oh. Mail time. Oh, I think that means mail, mail time. time. Mail and time. we have quite a few questions submitted to us and we'll, we'll take on three of them uh, in the last couple of minutes here on the podcast. First one is from cruise season on Twitter. Why is Texas tech still so high after getting swept? Question mark. No love for Texas after going on a streak? Question mark. So this is in response to the fact that we have Texas Tech at number 19, 18 in our most recent poll, while Texas is at number 35. I'll take a stab at this one first. Texas has only won four of its six weekends. It's kind of the like full stop punchline for me here. Like I I, I get it that two of those were early on. They lost, um, well they got swept by the combination of SEC teams at the College Baseball Showdown, and they lost that series at Cal State Fullerton. In that 14-game winning streak, you've mentioned it. They had five wins against teams that have yet to win 10 games this year. Some pretty pretty bad teams in there. Um, and even Cal State Fullerton, that's not really a series I think that Texas should be losing. Uh, Texas Tech sweep, very impressive. We moved them up 15 spots, which I know poll inertia is not really a great argument for this. But um, we did move them up quite a bit. Uh, I think that for me to feel like they're a top 25 team, they have to win some road games against teams that are reasonably good. The only time they've been on the road is that series at Cal State Fullerton and that neutral site, and they're a one in five in those combined games. So uh, I'm not feeling too hot on Texas until maybe they take the series at Oklahoma State, for
1: instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other part of this question is why is Texas Tech still so high after getting swept? Part of that is it was on the road. And the other part is like that was their second weekend loss in the year. They had that um two a uh, one and two week at Shriners, and that that one of those games was like a sixteen inning game against AM that when everyone was just throwing every arm they could, women and children and 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 coach adults and everyone was getting in there. Um but and they're still a really good team. They have that they actually but have some nice wins. series
0: wins too. Yeah, right?
1: Iowa. That's a good Iowa series and win. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State.
0: State. <laughs> yeah, like, like the last those, two ones. Oklahoma State's a twenty-win team. Iowa is a, I mean, sixteen or nineteen-win team, depending on if you count their three Division Three wins. But that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah, they're sixteen. They're sixteen and three. Iowa is still so Texas Tech has had several games, um, several legitimate wins against. Um, uh, some tough teams. I think it's, it, you could, could say maybe rightly so that they haven't had the most success on the road either, but at least their home schedule has been quite a bit tougher than Texas is. But it does make for, I think one of the things that's always tough about rankings is how do you take into account head to head when teams start beating each other. So now Texas Tech has beaten Oklahoma State and Texas has beaten Texas Tech. One thing I find odd that we're still this early in the season, a lot of polls have Texas Tech behind Oklahoma State, which Texas Tech literally just beat them a week ago. I don't love that. I think at the end of the day, though, the difference between 15 and 30 right now, I mean, these teams are all right in the same boat like this will play itself out
1: yeah i want to see some more separation as it comes out and you'd say a three-game sweep is separation but two of those were walk-offs like we already t- touched on so yeah. like that's and oklahoma really state plays games.
0: texas this weekend so we're, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have some answers about the top of the big 12
1: like this weekend we'll okay. give us some answers i like that those three are getting like all uh what would be the worst is if oklahoma state won that because oklahoma state would have beaten texas who beat tech who beat oklahoma state it would just be circular
0: the old circle of suck for the top yep. of the big 12. Let's talk a little bit about Dylan Cruz and maybe Paul Sp- Skeens again. We haven't talked about him in about five minutes. How long do you think Cruz and Skeens can keep up these insane numbers in terms of batting average strikeouts? Well, we answered this question about Skeens already. Do you have any thoughts on Dylan Cruz's absurd start to the season offensively?
1: I mean, it's just absurd. Like, I don't know. He's 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 got a woba of six eighty one, which is good for number one in the country. Uh, Batting average of five thirty one, which means he's hitting like getting a hit more than half the time, Uh, and. He's got, let's see, nine homers. Yeah, nine homers, 10 doubles. So he's 531 just...
0: is a batting average that you see like in the second game of the year when you had like a right. two for three game one or whatever. You know, like 5 for one or 530 batting average d- should not happen six
1: weeks into the should season. It should not. Yeah, he got 43 hits in 81 plate appearances. That's just insane.
0: Well, when we stopped pitching to him.
1: I guess people will probably probably stop at some point. Just yeah, he's gonna, you're going to see his intentional walk numbers go way up.
0: I think the strategy for LSU is just going to be walk the the bases loaded and then pray for a double play. <laughs> Don't yeah. let anyone hit it out of the ballpark. Get gets this like somewhat in the lower, it's like lower half of the lineup somewhere down there. See if you can get like a softly hit ground ball after you walk the like three, four, and five hitters.
1: Let's see. He's got the seventh most. Um, walks also, so he's not just getting on base to be a hit. Yeah. He's he's walking a ton too. So moving forward, I don't think this is a sustainable. Not because Dylan Cruz
0: isn't great. I just don't. I I don't think five thirty is a earth, real right batting average. Yeah, <laughs> I think let's say he'll regress to the mean. His mean is much higher than I think mm-hmm. probably any other player in college baseball. I think it's safe to say he's the best hitter in college right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends the year in the fours. But I really, really would be surprised if he ends the year in the fives.
1: Yeah, that would be be nuts.
0: (laughs) Last up, let's think a little bit about the postseason. Does college baseball need to change the postseason format? Would you change the format of the tournament? Is the question submitted to us via Instagram? Kyle, let you take this one first. What changes need to be made about the postseason?
1: Anything? No, I don't think so. I think it's fine i mean there was there was the talk of of adding like uh like ten more teams or something or twelve more teams to get like to that twenty five percent number of like sports, yeah, and it would just be playing games. but I think we might have touched on this earlier in in the in the season, but it just doesn't seem like it'd be worth it to go like fly your team across the country to lose one game and then like I don't know have it be to be at the end of the year unless you get a lot of extra practice time and that is good for later like for the next year a lot of teams like to have that extra practice time but then a lot of those people like a lot of those players end up just leaving anyway so it's i don't know it it's a, it doesn't seem great i like the symmetry of of baseball tournament how it's the regional round and then super regional like two out of three and then basically the same thing in omaha and it's it's super like efficient and a lot, uh, provides for a lot of chaos i kind of like it
0: yeah, I I don't know. I think this is a really tough question. So my first thought is watching March Madness recently, seeing the play-in games with the 16 seeds and seeing a team like Texas A&M Corpus Christi win their first ever NCAA tournament game. That's really cool, and they're not mm-hmm. going to do that if they have to play, well, most 16 seeds don't beat one seeds. We don't we don't have to rehash yeah. <laughs> uh FDU, but uh you know Adam Corpus gets to say they want a tournament game and gets to have their fan base really hyped up and now they're invested emotionally in basketball even though they just lost their head coach anyways this is turning into a college baseball or basketball discussion <laughs> I do think that having more post-season teams at the very least gets more programs excited about baseball so I like that idea I agree though that I don't love a baseball format that has single elimination because mm-hmm. baseball is too random to have single elimination games we saw that with the MLB and the like one game wild card And that, like, I, I, I don't think that was a very fair way of handling the wild card, like they did a few years ago in the MLB. Uh, I think the the tricky thing for the casual fan is double elimination tournament followed by two out of three series followed by double elimination tournament followed by two out of three series is a really like that's a tough thing to kind of wrap your mind around as a casual fan. Like, wait, why are they doing regionals now? Like, what's a regional? Like, that's not (laughs) nothing in the sport of baseball is like this. But I love the format. It's so much fun. So like I I my I'm torn between what fans understand, what's practical, and what I think is really fun. So if I were the yeah. commissioner of sports, I think the only thing I would change as of right now would be something to do with the conference tournaments because I think they're all kind of weird with like how they yeah. like have playing games and how they have single elimination and how sometimes Some like pool the- play. Championship (laughs) games are like the same day. The brackets coming out, you know, like that. There needs to be some separation between conference tournaments and when the brackets, the postseason bracket, is made. And I think we we need to figure out what to do when there's rain in Hoover and you have to (laughs) suddenly play like five and a half games in one day or whatever. You know, like it gets a little bit messy.
1: Think of think of the the beat writers that have to be there for 24 hours in a day, basically
0: the fans like no one wants (laughs) to like watch their team play for their postseason life at like 1 30 on a thursday night or something you know like 1 30 a.m you're just like why why is this game still going on
1: between when a possum runs in the field
0: yeah exactly (laughs) so i think there could be some tweaks made with some conference tournaments Thanks for listening to the College Baseball Nation podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, give us a rating. It helps us get the word out. Check out our social media at CollegeBallNet. Our website is collegebaseball.info. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you later on the week for the preview pod.